Our Father who is in heaven, your kingdom come, your will be done. Say that last part again. On earth, right? As it is in heaven. You know what we do as Christians? We forget the earth part. We just go right to the heaven part. That's what we do. Um, we go right to the heaven part. We're like, I'm just going to get to heaven. And that makes us, that makes the, the, the transformation of the gospel, it makes it an individual transformation. So when there's an individual transformation of the gospel, what you end up doing is you end up saying, okay, did I pray the right prayers? Did I say the right things? Is, am I managing my sin well? That's a big one, right? I'm managing my sin well. Am I reading scripture the way that most American Christians read scripture? Am I doing all those things I should be doing, believing the right things? Because the transforming gospel message is largely individual. But Jesus didn't say in heaven. What did Jesus say? He said, your kingdom come on earth, on earth as it is in heaven, which means that Jesus is saying that this is not just uh, the transformation, the, the, the transforming gospel message is not just a message for heaven. It's a message about bringing the kingdom of heaven here to earth. The kingdom of heaven here to earth. That's what we want to do. So the gospel message is individual, but it's also institutional. Individual and institutional. And so what we're going to do as a church, what we've been doing as a church, is we've been talking about our church as an institution, as a group, as the macro. Not so much about how we as individuals can change our lives because of the good news, but how we as a church, as a community, as a city, can change the world by bringing God's kingdom here to earth, the kingdom of heaven here to earth. So for the next seven weeks, we're going to continue to talk about the good news of the institution. All right, the good news of that, not necessarily the individual. Um, never fear, because next series, it's all about us. It's all about the individual, all right? You're going to get to talk about yourselves a lot, and it's going to be great. But this series, not so much, okay? So let's talk about what it looks like to bring the kingdom of heaven here to earth. And one of the passages that I love is the passage that Kayla just read. It's from the book of Revelation. Who's read Revelation before? It's an incredible book. It's actually a book about what happens when you marry religion and nationalism. Did you guys know that? That's a, that's a big topic for another time. We'll talk about that later. All right, but one thing I want to bring up, one thing I do want to talk about is this important line in what Kayla read. It says this. It says, after this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one, that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne. So John, who wrote this, this book, gives us a glimpse as to what heaven could look like or what heaven should look like. And it says every tribe, every nation, every language, right? There are differences there. There are differences. And what these differences show us is that God values differences. And when heaven comes around and when we do go to heaven, we take our ethnicity into eternity. That's what's going to happen. We take our ethnicity with us into eternity. Now, what, the, the, what heaven is, is heaven is uh, an equity into eternity. It's an equality into eternity. Um, but we take our ethnicity with us into eternity. So, if we're focusing on the prayer, that kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, then it is our job as the church to bring equity amongst races, amongst, amongst cultures, amongst ethnicities. And it's our job to talk about racism and privilege and reconciliation. It is our job to do that if we are going to bring the kingdom of heaven here to earth. That is what our job looks like. 
Now, I've been using this word. I've been using the word equity. We are going to bring equity to, the, to, to this place. Now, what's the difference between equity and equality? Because there is a very big difference between equity and equality. And to talk about this big difference, I need some help, okay? Um, so maybe Jimmy and Leslie, can you guys come up here real quick? And um, Jim, Roner, can you come up? And then I'm going to bring my daughter up. Lila, come on up. All right. And what Leslie and Jim are going to do is they're going to show us what equality looks like. Um, hold up this, this, uh, this curtain. Jim, uh, Jimmy, you can hold up the other side of the curtain. This is equality. Notice that there's not one part of the curtain that's any higher than the other part, right? It's an equal length, which means that this curtain is equal for everybody. Everybody has an equal chance to see above the curtain. Jim and Lila, will you put yourselves behind the curtain? <laughs> there's Lila and Jim behind the curtain, everybody, but the curtain is equal. It's equal. Everybody has a chance to see behind the curtain. It's not like it's lower for Jim and higher for Lila. That's just not the case. The curtain is equal. This is what equality looks like. Do we see equality? The kingdom of heaven is not equality. The kingdom of heaven is bringing equity. And this is what equity looks like. Equity looks like grabbing a chair. And when you grab a chair, what happens? Stand on your tippy toes, babe. <laughs> that is equity and she's still a little small but it's equity because now what we've done is we've said there are people in this world who don't have the same opportunity towards equality and because we don't have the same opportunity towards equality what we do is we create equity and that means we're getting people chairs that's what we're doing thank you very much everybody so we want equity as a church. We want to make sure that everyone can see above the curtain. Even though the curtain is equal, we want to make sure everybody gets the opportunity to see above it. We're talking about equity in the kingdom of God. And so for the next seven weeks, we're going to talk about finding this equity. We're going to talk about race. We're going to talk about privilege. We're going to talk about reconciliation. And here's what I promise you. It'll be the messiest series we ever do as a church. I promise you it will be. I promise you that we are going to be uncomfortable I promise you that we are going to say things to one another that feel tone deaf and difficult. I promise you that will happen. I promise you that we will struggle and we will be uncomfortable throughout the process of bringing equity to this place, the kingdom of heaven. Um, Jesus brought the kingdom of heaven to earth. When Jesus came, right, he brought the kingdom of heaven. He showed us what the kingdom of heaven looked like. What happened to Jesus? He was what? He was killed. <laughs> he was killed. The kingdom of heaven is not a very comfortable thing for a lot of people. The kingdom of heaven is difficult for a lot of people and it's gonna be difficult for us to, I promise, it will be a messy conversation to have, which is why we wanna do things like sermon talkbacks. It's why after this service is over, if you have questions, thoughts, comments, disagreements, that I invite you to come to Gotham Market so that we can talk about it because our church believes in unity and not uniformity, which means we believe in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ we believe that that allows us to partner with Jesus in bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth. And we get to do that because we are loved, because of the grace of Christ. And that means that once we stand on that flag, it's okay to disagree. It's okay, all right? It's not gonna be the end of the world if we disagree on other stuff. Um, in fact, it's good for a community. It's good for a community that invests in one another to sometimes disagree. Here's the last thing I wanna tell you about this series. I promise you that as a white man, I'm going to get it wrong. I promise you. I promise you that I have blind spots that I don't know about. 
I promise you that as prepared as I think I am and as much as I pray through this stuff, that there are gonna be places where I make mistakes too. And here's what I'm gonna ask of each of you. I'm gonna ask each of you not to, um, not to go, oh my gosh, Jonathan's an idiot and I'm walking out and never coming back. What I'm gonna ask you to do is to come to me and talk to me and say, Jonathan, you're an idiot and I wanna come back, but I gotta tell you this first. And then extend that same grace to one another. If somebody says something that feels tone deaf, let them know, talk about it. This is how we bring the kingdom of heaven here to earth. This is how we do it, especially with the subject of racism and privilege and God willing reconciliation. That's how we do it. So let's talk about this a little bit. I want to talk about uh, racism. I want to talk about biases that we all have. Because the truth of the matter is every single one of us in this room, we all have biases. We do. I have biases. I'm biased towards Yankee fans. I'm a Met fan, right? So we have these biases. I see Dave in the back. I'm a little bit biased towards Dave because Dave's a Yankee fan, right? Um, now, biases are, are, by and large, we have them. They're okay. Here's where biases become racism. Biases become racism when we decide that uh, uh, a position, we put ourselves in a position of power in, uh, in a way that gives uh, other people less power. So as a Met, I'm just thinking Mets and Yankees and it's dumb. But anyway, as a Mets fan, I'm in a position of power and I start to take some of Dave's power because he's a Yankee fan. I start to say Dave is less than. That is racism. That's when it becomes racist. When people are in a position of power and work actively to take the power of others. That is when things become racist. Okay? So for instance, I have grown up in New York my whole life. I love New York. Uh, when I go to the South, I'm like, I'd rather not live in the South. And that's okay. That's a bias. All right? But when I start to make, um, when I start to say things about people who live in the South, when I start to say, you know what? I'm way more dignified than people that live down here. Or when I start to make that stupid deliverance banjo thing, you know what I'm talking about. When I start to do that, that becomes racism. That becomes taking people's power. And I know you all want to do it right now. Racism runs on a spectrum. I think there are those of us who, with a lot of power and privilege who have no idea that we're even being racist. I think there are plenty of us in this room and we're here and we're like, you know what? I butt up against racism every single day. Every single day there are people in a position of power who are trying to take my power away from me and keep me powerless. And I think for those of us who have privilege, we don't even realize that that's the case. We don't even know that's happening. I remember the first time uh, I, I, I had to think about, as, as a white man, I had to think about... Um, about what privilege looks like and what racism looks like. And I was a, a teacher. Um, and my hair has always been on point. It's always been great. And, <laughs> and, uh, and I remember as a teacher, I had, I had the messy look. You guys remember the messy look? Remember the Backstreet Boys? <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I was, like, uh, I was like, I said to my coworker when I was teaching, I said, hey, I'm going to run to the store real quick. I got to grab this product for my hair. I'll be back before recess is over. And she said to me, and she was like, that's cool, and that's amazing that you can go and get stuff that you need for your hair that quickly. I have to go like on a wild goose chase to get stuff for my hair. And I was like, what? She's like, I'm a black woman. There's no hair care products for me anywhere. Like, I have to run around everywhere to, to, to do this. And I was like, what? Like, that's a thing? And she rolled her eyes at me. And she's like, it's a thing. And she goes, by the way, Jonathan, do you get Band-Aids? I go, yeah, I get Band-Aids. She goes, do you get, the, you get the ones that say flesh color, right? And I go, yeah, I get the ones that say flesh color. She said, what color are they? And I was like, oh, 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 there is racism that's institutionalized, that's within our capitalistic culture that I've never for one second even thought about. There's blind spots. We have blind spots. Those blind spots are real and they're there. 
And I started thinking about the blind spots and I started doing, thinking about other ways in which these blind spots occur in my own life. And I was like, you know, tell, tell me why it is that, that even though uh, black and Latino people make up 32% of our nation, that, they're, that 56% of black and Latino people are incarcerated. That is way off. Something is really, really wrong here. What's going on? And, and why is it that, that for every dollar a man makes at a job, a woman only makes 78% and, or 78 cents? And that's really messed up. Why, why is that like that? Why is there inequality? And why didn't I ever learn that, you know, five million Native Americans were killed by white Western Europeans over the course of a couple hundred years just because colonialism, right? Why wasn't that ever told? And I was like, why is it that history is told through the dominant culture and the dominant culture of the victors? Why is this the case? I've been blind to it. I've been blind to this racism. I think some of us are blind to it. Others of us are righteously angry because we deal with it every single day of our lives. Now, here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking there's those of us in this room right now who, and I hope this is true, you're like, I'm not racist. I'm just not. Good for you. I used to think that too. Uh, Pete Scazzaro, who is at New Life Church in Queens, which is a great resource, by the way, for everything we're going to talk about. Uh, we went to an anti-racism training here, and he put up this slide for us. And he said, you know what? None of us think we're racist, because usually when we see racism, we think about the top of the iceberg, right? We think about the hate crimes and the racial slurs and the terrible things. That's overt racism. That's like the march on Charlottesville. And what he was saying, he said, what we don't realize is all of us, all of us have stuff below the iceberg that we don't even know that we need to deal with. There's stuff below the iceberg that we need to think through and think about and talk about. And as we go through the series, we're going to spend seven weeks talking about uh, systemic racism. We're going to take some time to talk about interpersonal racism, our own racism within us. And so we can take this slide down because we're going to see it a ton. Um, and I'll post it on social media for us. But he says, you know, we don't realize the extent to which racism affects our nation, our country, this city, this church, this community, Right? And he says, it's something that we all have to figure out, we all have to deal with, and we do it because we're bringing the kingdom of heaven here to earth. Now, I know there's some of us here who are reacting in certain ways. I know, for instance, uh, a lot of people with power and privilege will, will tend to react with, um, <laughs> with guilt or shame. That's what we, how we react. We, we feel guilty. I feel guilty about being white, or I feel shameful about it. And, and that's a reaction, but we don't want to stay at that reaction. We don't want to keep that reaction. I'll explain it to you. Um, and I got permission from my daughter to do this. Not the daughter you saw, my other daughter. Um, I said to my other daughter, I said, uh, I said, I need you to empty the dishwasher. And about 20 minutes go by, and she still doesn't empty the dishwasher. And if you know my daughter, I walk into her room, she's like doing handstands and stuff. You guys know my daughter. And I'm like, you didn't empty the dishwasher. And she was like, I'm such a bad person. Oh, I can't. I know I didn't do it. I'm so, Daddy, I'm so bad. And she flopped herself in the bed. Oh, I'm so bad. I didn't do it. But she still didn't empty the dishwasher. <laughs> right? And then she laid on her bed. Oh, blah, blah, blah. So I waited like 10 minutes. And I came back in. And I said, ah, she got to empty the dishwasher. And she went, fine. I'm the worst daughter you've ever had. I'm guilty. I didn't do it. And I was like, no, you didn't. She still hadn't emptied the dishwasher. <laughs> because kids are adept at manipulating guilt and shame in their favor. And adults are even better at it. Right? We take our guilt and shame, and it will shut down a conversation before the conversation even starts. So we react to the fact that, oh, there's racism, people in power and privilege. We say, oh, I feel guilty, I feel ashamed. Get rid of that quickly because there's conversations to be had. 
And to not get rid of it is to, is to manipulate a situation to where we're still creating something that is in our favor. How else do we react? People with power and privilege. In general, especially here at church, Christians, will we'll say stuff like, um, I don't see color. I don't see ethnicity. It's all good. We're all one in Jesus Christ, right? That's a sweet sentiment. Jesus Christ, when Jesus Christ comes to bring heaven to earth, Jesus Christ ministers to people because of their difference. Jesus Christ ministers to people because of who they were, not in spite of who they are. Jesus Christ works to bring unity, messy, sloppy, difficult unity to everybody. So he's talking to Samaritans and he's telling them to join this community. And Samaritans were ethnically different, and yet those are the ones he calls out. And he calls out women who had absolutely zero standing at that time. And he says, you are invited to be a part of this too. And he calls out people who are in the lower socioeconomic classes because those are the ones who belong and to, uh, belong to be united in this kingdom of heaven. Those are the ones he calls. He calls them because of their difference, not in spite of their difference. And I've already told you we take our ethnicity with us to eternity. That's already something that's happening. Jesus shows it while he's here on earth. And we're going, yeah, yeah, that's nice. But the melting pot, the melting pot, how many people grew up with a melting pot? All right, a few. Remember that? Everybody just comes, we all get along. Yeah, everybody comes and gets along as long as you're a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. If everybody follows the lead on those people, then everybody else is cool, right? That's the melting pot. And yet every single day, every single day my kids, they come to me, and every day, uh, not every day, probably once a week, I'll, I'll tell the truth. Once a week they come to me, and they say to me, Dad, um, I'm half Indian, and I'm a quarter German, I'm a quarter Irish, right? And I go, yeah. And they're right, thanks, and then they walk away. <laughs> but there's something there. They, 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 there's an innate sense in which their identity matters to them, right? They're half Indian and a quarter Irish and a quarter German. And that, whenever I hear that, it strikes me, because people in power and privilege have given up their identity as even German or Irish or any other thing for the sake of being a part of a white dominant culture, Right? And to say that we're all the same and everything's the same, you, you know what that does? That discounts my children's heritage and it discounts their ancestry, it discounts their culture and it discounts their experience and it does the exact same thing for us too. If we're bringing the kingdom of heaven here to earth, then we are happy and we celebrate and we work to bring about and highlight differences among us. That is a good thing. It is a heaven thing. We're not all, you know, oh, we're just all the same because, you know, we're all children of God. We're all children of God, and God delights in our differences. So as a church, how do we even start? How do we start this conversation? I think we start this conversation, uh, I, I want to go to Paul in Galatians. Um, and it's Galatians 3, if you guys want to join in, uh, you're more than welcome to. I'm just going to read it for us. It's a popular verse if you've grown up in the church. It says this, it says, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself, clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Okay, what is going on here? Doesn't that feel like it just contradicted everything I, I said? Like you're one in Christ, you're one in Christ, you're all heirs, right? What is happening? Are we contradicting everything I just said? Um, so in that church in Galatia, there was a dominant culture at that church. That culture was a Jewish culture. 
And that culture was dominant, and rightfully so. It was, it was you, know, it, uh, you know, around the territory of Israel, and lots of Jews are there. And uh, there are other people coming in, Gentiles who are non-Jews. There are slaves, there are women coming in. So you have this really radical church that starts to blend and meld all these different classes and all these different ethnicities, and that's what's happening. And the dominant Jewish culture goes, this is great, this is amazing, so long as you start to follow the Jewish customs, so long as all those are followed. And so Paul comes along. And I think what we forget about Paul is Paul was an incredibly influential Jewish man. Incredibly influential. I mean, this guy had money. This guy had smarts. He was one of the, uh, uh, one of the mo- wisest, I guess, one of the wisest uh, scholars of Judaism in all of the world at his time. He was a man of prestige. He was a man who made decisions of life and death. So Paul would decide whether new Christians were going to live or die. Right? As a, this, is, this is his job. This is what he did. And he converts. And upon his conversion, what Paul does is he sees his riches and he starts to, get, he starts to make himself lower. He's like, I'm not, I'm not going to do this. And he takes his prestige and he starts to decrease that too. And he takes the wisdom he has and he starts to use it for the good of others. So what Paul is doing is Paul saying, I'm going to decrease so that others can increase. Or another way to put it is, I'm going to give up my power and privilege for the sake of others so that they may have power and privilege. Because slaves remain slaves, okay? And women remain women. It's not like, oh, I'm in Christ, (laughs) everything's good now. No. And so what Paul's saying for this church in Galatia, he's saying, listen, if you, if you are going to be in a position of power, what can you do to bring that slave who enters your church, because slaves were allowed to enter church, what are you going to do to serve that person so that you're giving up something so that they can gain something? What are you going to do? And what are you going to do for the woman who's not even allowed to sit at tables with men? Women couldn't even sit at tables with men. What are you going to do in this church to show that women are unequal, are all one in Christ? Maybe that means you're giving up your, your men's group at the table and women are now sitting with you as well. And what are you going to do to let Gentiles know how they are one in Christ? Because Gentiles, you wouldn't even let them in the temple. And maybe now it's time not only to let them in the church, but to let them have a revered spot in the church. How are you letting go of some of your power and privilege so that others can get power and privilege? What are you giving up so that others can gain? That's the equity that Paul is talking about here. He's not saying we're all one. He's saying there's because of our differences. Some of us are going to give up so that others gain. A few years ago, a woman came up to me after uh, this church. We, we did it, it was like our first attempt at diversity in church. This was like five years ago. And she came up to me and she said, as a person of color, every single time I walk in these doors, I give up something. She goes, I want to know, Mr. Williams, what it is you're going to give up. And that stayed with me ever since. What am I going to give up? Those of us who have power and privilege, what do we give up in order to see equity? What do we give up in order to bring the chair so that everybody gets a chance to see over the curtain? What do we give up? That's a conversation that starts. And I think that conversation happens when we listen. So there's three things I want us to do. Three things I want us just to take home this week. And number one is I wanted to develop an art of listening. To find out, especially the power and privilege, to find out what it is we need to give up, we need to listen. We need to make sure that we understand that we have our blind spots and we need to be fully aware of the fact that listening to what our blind spots are are incredibly uncomfortable, but they help us to understand what it means to bring power and privilege to others. Cultivate the spirit of listening. Uh, I think everybody needs to listen. Everybody in this room needs to listen. 
the powerful, those of us who deal with oppression and racism every day, we all need to listen. But here's what I think. I think maybe like white, straight, cis uh, men probably need to start listening first. And then we'll take turns after that. But like if we're dominant, let's listen first. Let's keep our mouths shut first and hear what others have to say about how their livelihood has been taken or have been attempted to be taken. And from there, we're able to move in such a way that we're able to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. Let's listen, cultivate a listening. Secondly, I think one thing we can do this week as we begin this conversation is we could really get a glimpse and take advantage uh, of paying attention to the history of racism in our country because it's a thing and it's real and it matters. And I've mentioned before, you know, I was reading uh, for this series uh, a couple weeks ago and I read and I had no idea that 5 million Native Americans were killed from 1600 to 1800, uh, all in the name of colonization, right? I had no idea of that. Maybe it's time for us to connect with the history of our country and think about how deeply embedded these biases that have turned into racism have become. That's going to be important. And not only that, but for our family as well. How has racism played out in our family? Um, I'm going to throw my dad under the bus here, but it'll be okay. Uh, when I was a kid, my dad, uh, was, we were driving, and the car in front of us was really slow. And I said, Dad, why is that car in front of us driving really slow? And he said, it's because they're Chinese. So for the rest of my growing up, I just believed that Chinese people drove slow or couldn't drive at all. Right? That was just now a racist thought or idea that I had because my dad said that to me. Um, Obviously, I, know, I hope I know better now. Um, I think our families do that to us. I think our families pass down racist thoughts, ideas that are used to oppress rather than to uplift. And it's when we start to see how that happens in our family that we're able to move forward and bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. And lastly, I want us to create a spiritual practice of grief. Let's to create a spiritual practice of grief. Um, my wife and I, we never fight. Ever. <laughs> Y'all don't know me and my wife. Um, and my wife will say something to me, and she'll talk to me, and, and what happens when she says something and talks to me when we're fighting is I want to do a few different things. She'll say, oh, this thing happened to me, or I feel this way about this thing, and what I'll do is I'll immediately attempt to fix it, I'd be like, oh, what you should have done is just this. And if you do this, you're cool. Like, and then you don't have to worry about it. My wife's like, you're not, you're not hearing me. And I'm like, I am. Do this. Fix it now, right? What else do I do? My wife will say, um, oh, this thing happened to me, and, and I believe it, this is the way it went down. And, and I'll say, no, it didn't. It didn't go down that way. Why? My wife's an Indian woman. I'm a white man. It's not my experience. It's hers. And so instead of listening to her, what I end up doing is go, no, that didn't happen because it's not been my experience. What you're saying isn't true. And then one time, the Spirit of the Lord was upon me. And when the Spirit of the Lord was upon me, I'll tell you how I, how I reacted. She said to me, she said, you know, these two women, uh, I really invested time into them and I felt like we were kindred spirits and then it didn't work out that way and I don't know what to do. And I didn't try to fix it and I, I didn't like say, oh my gosh, like that's not true. I listened and I was, I was sad and angry for my wife. Like sad and angry. Like filled with grief for my wife. I was like, this happened to you and you're, you're feeling this. And I kicked the chair. No, I didn't kick the chair. I didn't do that. But imagine I did. That would have been funny. Um, you guys need to wait. Come on, it's all right. It's all right. We, I know we're talking serious. We can keep it a little loose. 
maybe it's time for some of us to cultivate the practice of grief when someone tells us their pain, the way they've been oppressed, the way racism has been used to keep them powerless. Instead of going, no, that's not my experience, or I just, I don't see it, or here's how to fix it, to go, this is terrible. I grieve with you. I'm sorry this is happening. And I'm going to work to decrease so that power and privilege can be increased. That is how we bring the kingdom of heaven because this whole conversation doesn't even happen without Jesus Christ. The entire conversation doesn't happen unless we're willing to say Christ died and was resurrected to bring the kingdom so that we could partner in bringing the kingdom of heaven here to earth. And Jesus did it in ways that like went beyond what is even fathomable. Like not only did Jesus preach to the Samaritans, but Jesus was like, here's the kingdom of heaven. And he took two disciples, James and John. They were called the sons of thunder. You know why? They were jihadists. They were jihadists who killed people in the Roman Empire. He took them. He said, I want you to be with me. And then he took a guy who worked for the Roman Empire, Matthew. And he goes, you work with me. He literally put people in a room together who wanted to kill each other. Like literally. And he goes, this is the kingdom of heaven. This is it right here. And so James, John, and Matthew, what do they do? They spread the gospel message to the place where 2.1 billion people celebrate being Christians right now. And we get to be a part of that legacy. We get to be a part of that lineage. We get to be a part of that journey. And that journey's been messed up along the way a bunch of times. We know it. And we get to attempt to bring heaven here to earth. And that is the transforming message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Heavenly Father, thank you for partnering with us, allowing us to partner with you so that we can bring a little heaven here. And God, I pray that you would give us courage, give us great grace. Uh, bring your spirit as we work uh, to confront racism, to confront privilege, to bring reconciliation to it. I pray that you would show us grace as we have conversations. Uh, allow us to, um, to show uh, selfless love to one another throughout the whole process. I just pray a prayer of thanks that your resurrection allows for this to even take place. I pray this in your name. Amen.